So extraordinary were the mighty deeds God accomplished at the hands of Paul, that when the face cloths or aprons that touched his skin were applied to the sick, their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic Conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined as always by my good friend, my pal, the legendary basketball player from St. John's University, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing terrific, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is fine. Uh, today we wanted to talk about another kind of uniquely Catholic topic, that of relics. Those are the bones or fragments of the body of a saint, or even something that saint owned or even touched. They're important to us. We hold them in high regard, and we bring them into church. We integrate them into our liturgies. We believe they draw us closer to God, and they can be a channel through which God answers our prayers. Now, that's not so unusual. I mean, how many people would love a Michael Jordan jersey or Babe Ruth's bat or even an autograph, which helps make people feel, what, connected or close to their hero? I remember in college, my friends and I went to the Kentucky Derby one year, and we saw the great secretariat win the race, and we all scurried out on the track right after and scooped up some clay and dirt to save. And always remember this great event that we had just witnessed. So what prompted you to select relics, Frank? Well, those are good secular examples of, you know, uh, what people what people like to remember. And, you know, you gave good examples. I mean, Babe Ruth's bat or even like a Mickey Mantle glove. I mean, though many millions of dollars uh, are spent on memorabilia every mm -hmm. year. So you're right. People do want to feel connected to their heroes. And this is similar to the tradition of relics that has developed in the church for over 2,000 years. They give us a connectedness to the sacred, to the holy people, to the saints. You know, they're our family. People have prayer devotions to their favorite saints. And a relic of that saint can enhance that person's prayer experience. Right. And there's an ancient Catholic tradition of placing relics of martyrs or other saints under or inside of a fixed altar. And that's now been preserved in canon law. Every Catholic church has at least one relic inside its altar. Now, in the early centuries, the remains of martyrs were placed underneath the early churches. And then over time, as Christian pilgrims spread out, they brought and venerated these relics all over the world. So the altar becomes a memorial of the witnesses of faith, those people who gave up their lives for Jesus. And it is on that table that we celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now, if or when a new church is built and needs a relic, the bishop of the diocese is contacted, and that chancery has to reach out to the Vatican to request a relic. Now, some rel religious orders keep them or maintain them. There's an office in the Vatican itself that has some of them, and some shrines dedicated to given saints have them. And when a church is abandoned or sold, it's the bishop's responsibility for disposing the relic in an appropriate manner. You're right. And remember, we're talking about first class relics, right, right. Uh, which are fragments of the body of the saint. And those are placed in the altars. Second class relics are something that a saint personally owned, like a book or a piece of clothing. And third class relics are those items that a saint touched or have been touched to, to a first or second class relic. Okay, all right. You're right. So these first class relics don't just reside in altars. They're sometimes the focus of veneration services. And they are often brought around to various parishes for lectures and prayer. I remember recently a, a relic of Padre Pio 
was taken through the Archdiocese of New York, and there were huge turnouts to hear about this great saint and touch this relic. And at a men's conference I, I attended recently, they showed us a relic of St. John Vianney, the patron saint of priests. And you just participated in one of those things at St. Agnes, right? Yeah, we had um, the relic of St. Jude, which was brought by Father Carlos Martins. It was on a national tour in the U.S., and it came to St. Agnes recently. And it touched me so much that that's kind of the impetus for this podcast. Now, St. Jude, of course, was an apostle, one of the 12 apostles, the patron saint of hopeless causes, and he was the first cousin of Jesus. Right. Now, the remains of St. Jude have been kept in the Basilica of St. Peter in Rome, but the arm of the saint was separated from the greater portion. His remains several centuries ago were placed in a simple you know, wooden reliquary carved in the shape of an upright arm in a gesture of imparting a blessing. So this bone, the fragment from the arm of St. Jude, was displayed for the public in this way. You know, first, there is a, there's a public veneration of the saint's relic, then a special mass that was celebrated in honor of the saint, and then a sermon or a lecture was given by Father Carlos. The, the priest who spoke reminded us, he spoke and reminded us that the arm, this arm of G, touched Jesus. This arm of, of St. Jude was actually around our Lord and was present at things like the Last Supper. So it really, it really uh, affected me. And I, and I, that's, that's what, like I say, gave me the idea that we should talk about this. I mean, it's amazing. You're sitting there in the church at a mass with this relic, this, this, this piece of a person that was with Jesus himself. I mean, what was, how did people react to that? Well, I mean, they, you know, they, they, I, I hope they would think they waited hours to right, see right. the relic. There's a line, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the things that, that you, you kind of forget about is if you have a row, if you have rosaries, if you have uh, any kind of thing that you want to be, you know, a third class relic, you press it against this oh, relic right. and it automatically becomes uh, a third, a third class relic. So right. Not only that, but think about it. To be declared a saint, two miracles must be, conform be uh, confirmed by the church authorities. So the body of the saint has performed the healing or some miraculous event not explained by science. And the relics of those saints have been known to cause healings and miracles. Now, relics are not magic. They're not a rabbit's foot. They do not contain power in, in their own. But God may choose to use the relic of a saint for a particular purpose, a healing or a miracle, and many people are witnesses to these. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great thought. Well, the church we know venerates relics, which simply means treats with reverence. And that has to do with the human body and the Holy Spirit. I mean, we were always taught in Catholic school what Paul had written in Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have received from God? So if the Holy Spirit has dwelt in the body of a saint, the remains of that person are holy and to be treated with utmost respect. And I like the story of St. Gertrude on this subject. In her biography, it said that she desired to have some relics of the wood of the cross. So in prayer, Jesus himself said to her, if you desire to have some relics which will draw my heart into yours, read my passion and meditate attentively on every word contained therein. And it will be to you a true relic, which will merit more graces for you than any other. Thence you may know and be assured that the words which I uttered when on earth are the most precious relics 
which you can possess. Yeah, and the interesting story um, that I read in um, Relics, What Are They and Why They Matter by Joan Carroll Cruz was about the true cross. You know, when they searched for the true cross, it was St. Helena who found it. Um, uh, she quotes, with sweet smelling dust and a flash of lightning. Then she pointed to the place where she had been instructed by Judas, not, not the apostle we're talking about, to start digging. Finally, they uncovered three crosses, one thought to be to belong to Jesus Christ and the other two to the two thieves who died alongside him. But the Holy Spirit inspired her to test and to see which of the crosses belonged to Christ. They searched for a sick person, it happened to be a leper. That's what legend has. Once that was found, they returned back. Once he was found, they returned back to the site of Golgotha, the place of Jesus' crucifixion. And the leper was instructed to touch each one of the crosses. He touched the first one, nothing happened. He touched the second one, nothing happened. Finally, when he touched the third and final cross, the leper was instantly healed. It was it was the leper and it was the, the, the sign of the true cross. And that's why it's known as the true cross of Christ. That's, that's, the, that's the legend of how St. Helena found the true cross. It's cool. It's a good story. And I guess another book on relics uh, is Saints Preserved by Thomas Crawwell. And there's a quote in there that says, bringing out a statue or a set of rosary beads owned by our grandmother stirs the emotions and makes us feel connected once again to that person we once loved, but who, had, but who has since died. Relics work in the same way, but more intensely. Because in the case of sacred relics, the connection is not only to someone we love, but to someone who was genuinely holy, right? Yeah, and to, to close, I have a quote here from St. Jerome. He said, we do not worship, we do not adore for fear that we should bow down to the creature rather than to the creator, but we venerate the relics of the martyrs in order to adore him whose martyrs they are. That's great, Frank. And anything, I'm glad you brought this topic up because anything that can draw our attention to those who love God, to the saints, or to Jesus himself is, is, worth, uh, is worth knowing about and preserving. So folks, don't forget to like us and follow us and send us an email at anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. That's anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. Frank, I love you a lot, and I'll see you next time, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot, Deacon. God bless.